Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, welcome to the show, and I'm hoping that you are having a good week. And we're in the middle of the week, and next week is going to be Christmas. What an amazing time that is. So we've been talking about this topic of generosity, and we're going to finish that up today. And I want to go back to saying, you know, what generosity really is. And it's, it's being willing to give your money, your time, your energy. And remember, we always say humans, humans need time. They need time. It's one of the mo- best ways to be generous to other humans is with your time. And so this is the trait. This is a trait. It's a characteristic. And it's, it's a virtue that we want to really aspire to because we have a God that is extremely generous. And our, our hallmark verse kind of for this show is that First Timothy chapter 1, 14 through 16. And it says, And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant. With the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. It's a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. And I'm sure that we all can feel that way. We all can feel like maybe we're the worst sinner. Yet for this reason I found mercy, so that in me, as the foremost Jesus Christ, might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. When I accept the graciousness, the generosity of the Lord, who sent his son to die for me so I could have eternity beyond my wildest dreams, this is how he practices patience with us. And patience is being generous with time. So I'm hoping that you are really working on this idea of being generous. And we talked about a lot of different ways to be generous that, that don't necessarily have anything to do with money. Things like being generous with your appreciation, generous with receiving compliments, generous with courtesy. So are you a generous person? Well, let's look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. This is the New International Version, and it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. For him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask for or imagine. That's amazing. That's amazing to me. When you really think of the words, those descriptive words, he is able to do immeasurably more than we all could ever ask for or imagine. So I want you to think of it like this. We put our faith in God and love people, not the other way around. I mean, we certainly love God. 
But our faith must be in God, not necessarily in people. I mean, I, I have faith in people. I really do. I have faith that they are becoming who God has called them to be, designed them to be. But I don't put my faith in people. I love them. So we put our faith in God. And we love him. He deserves our love. We put our faith in people if we are believing, believing for people and believing the best about them. We do this as a way to believe in God and to honor God. Nothing is impossible. The problem is God does things his ways, not our ways. And if we look for God to do it our way, what we want, what makes sense to me, what makes sense to you, then it is impossible because it's not God's way. God makes all things possible, but he does it his way. And that's the faith piece, that he can do immeasurably more than we could ever ask for or imagine. So we love generously, like, like people as a preference, but love is a choice and a mandate. So this means we love because he first loved us. We love generously because he loves us generously. That doesn't mean I like everybody I love. But I need to love God's world because he so loved his world. And one of the best ways to love his world is to remove judgment and generously give grace, patience, time, deference, believing the best, hoping the best. See, generosity is the opposite of withholding. Withholding is not a quality of God. It is a quality of our sin nature. It's based in selfishness, fear, and control. Withholding only gives us less. It's the same, the story of the, um, the talents, the, you know, the three people that got all those, those different me measures of talent. And the one that received the least buried it. So he had even less because nothing came of the amount of money that the master gave that gentleman. The other ones that were given much ended up making much. They were generous with the gift they were given, and they didn't squander it. So we don't want to squander the generosity that the Lord has shown us. So we have a tendency as unregenerated people to withhold love, approval, acceptance as a way to control people's behaviors. We think it's going to motivate them to do better. And it doesn't work. In fact, it produces and encourages more bad behavior. If withholding love as a punishment worked, God would never have sent his son. And I'm not talking about rewarding bad behavior. But we can model out relationships after God. He loves and chastens at the same time. He loves us and never lowers the standard. I like this um, out of God's Word translation. It says, Do you have contempt for God, who is very kind to you, puts up with you, deals patiently with you? Don't you realize that it is God's kindness that is trying to lead you to him and change the way you think and act. 
Let's look at it in, in this way. This is the New Living Translation. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? It's his kindness that leads us to repentance, right? So we don't want to disregard the riches of his kindness. He is generous with his kindness. He is generous with his love. He is generous with his patience. He's tolerant, which is amazing. He's tolerant while the world is being changed by his son. Whosoever is willing to be changed. I love this verse. This is Exodus chapter 34, verse 6. He says, Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord your God, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness and truth. That's an amazing statement. Only God can use these words and really follow through with them. So we're talking about this because I really want to encourage you to be generous. You will be amazed. When you get on top of the line and you are generous, you will feel better about yourself. You will enjoy people more. You will have more appropriate expectations of people. You will have more patience. Let's read this. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 2 through 4 out of the Message Bible. And it says, Now, friends, I want to report on a surprising and generous ways in which God is working in the churches in Macedonia province. And we looked at this verse yesterday in a different translation. Fierce troubles came down on the people of those churches, passing them to the, pushing them to the very limit. The trial exposed their true colors. They were incredibly happy, though desperately poor. The pressure triggered something totally unexpected, an outpouring of pure and generous gifts. I was there. I saw it for myself. They gave offerings of whatever they could, far more than they could afford, pleading for the privilege of helping out in the relief of the poor Christians. And these, this, this is really interesting. This is, this is a really interesting thing when it says pushing, the, the, the troubles came down on the people pushing them to the very limit. The trial exposed their true colors. This is what we want to do. This is what we want to model for the world. This is we want the world to know we are Christians by our love, our generous, abounding love. That when the world presses in on us and trials and tribulations come, which they do and they will, and who knows, it may even get worse, right, before it gets better, that we want to really commit to letting those 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 trials that are going to push us to the limit expose good things expose generosity and abounding grace and patience so don't minimize what you have what you have to give because think of when when Jesus fed the 5000 how many loaves of bread did he have how how many how many fishes did he have And so when we give God what we have, even if we think it's small, 
when we give something to someone that we think maybe is inconsequential, you'd be amazed at how God multiplies it. Because oftentimes, kindness, generosity, patience, these types of things are passed around. I'm nice to the person getting into the elevator. He or she leaves the elevator, is nice to the secretary. The secretary then is nicer to the people calling. It's passed around, just like hatred and anger and anything mean is passed around. So when God loves, he loves generously. In a way I cannot comprehend. His generosity of love is incomprehensible. So God gives what leaves us unwanting. And I'm going to read you a story that I I love this story. This is the uh, story of the Samaritan at the well. And this is John chapter 4, verses 7 through 15. And this is out of the Message Bible. It says, to get there, he had to pass through Samaria. He came into Sychar, a Samaritan village that bordered the field Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was still there. Jesus, worn out by the trip, sat down at the well, and it was noon. A woman, a Samaritan, now remember when we've done the whole week on actually helping the one you love, are you actually helping the one you love? And we talked about the good Samaritan. So remember, the Samaritans were despised people, and she was a woman. So she was even more despised. She's coming in the middle of the day, when most people came the beginning and the end of the day. So she had to come in the middle so that she wouldn't be patronized. So the woman, a Samaritan, came to draw water. Jesus said, would you give me a drink of water? Because his disciples had gone into the village to buy food for lunch. And the Samaritan woman, taken aback, asked, how come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Because Jews in those days would not be caught dead talking to Samaritans. Jesus answered, If you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink, and I would give you fresh and living water. The woman said, Sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw with, and the well is deep. How are you going to get this quote-unquote living water? Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well and drank from it, he and his sons and livestock, and passed it down to us? Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. Anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be an artisan spring within, gushing fountains of endless life. The woman said, sir, give me this water so I won't ever get thirsty, won't ever have to come back to this well again. What an amazing story. Think of all the different things that are, that are in this story and what it's telling us. First, firstly, it's telling us the generosity of Jesus because he showed no discrimination. He loves all the people God created. It also shows that he is an endless supply. He never runs out. We want to take advantage of that. We need it down here. We want to take full advantage of this. We want to ask Jesus repeatedly for the things that we need. But he helps us be 
someone with a generous heart so that we reflect to the world his heart. So let's read another story. And this is Mark 6, chapter 6. And this is also out of the Message Bible. And this is starting at verse 1. He left there and returned to his hometown. This is Jesus. His disciples came along. On the Sabbath, he gave a lecture in the meeting place. He made a real hit impressing everyone. We had no idea how he, that he was this good, they said. How did he get so wise all of a sudden? Such great ability. But in the next breath, they were cutting him down. He's just a carpenter, Mary's boy. We've known him since he was a kid. We know his brothers, James, Justice, Jude, and Simon, and his sisters. Who does he think he is? They tripped over what little they knew about him and fell sprawling, and they never got any further. You see, they started out being generous with compliments toward, toward Christ. And they ended up taking them all back and even digging a deeper hole. And this is, this is the story about Jesus saying, a prophet has little honor in his hometown among his relatives on the streets he played in as a child. Jesus wasn't able to do much of anything there. He laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. That's all. He couldn't get over their stubbornness. So he left and made a circuit of other villages, teaching other villages. And this is where the verse comes from when, when Christ said, Do not cast pearls before swine. Do not give to dogs what is sacred. If you do, they will turn on you, trample them, and tear you to pieces. This is coming from his own hometown. These people were so small in heart, Jesus couldn't even perform a miracle. He couldn't even do something nice for them. That's what I mean. If we are generous, we get more, more abundance. If we are not, we get less and less and less, and it's smaller and smaller and smaller. So Jesus called the twelve to him back in the story now, and sent them out in Paris. He gave them authority and power to deal with every opposition. He sent them off with these instructions. Don't think you need a lot of extra equipment for this. You are the equipment. No special appeals for funds. Keep it simple. I love that. I mean, if that's, if that's all we say for this whole entire show, God says, don't think you need a lot of extra equipment. Don't think you need a lot of looks or brains, or money, or any of these things. He says, you are the equipment. See, he has equipped us. The uniqueness of how he designed each and every one of us means that each and every one of us has a reason for being here. So don't let the enemy tell you that you're not enough. Look at who he picked as disciples. Don't ever let the enemy tell you what you have is not enough or not of value. So let's talk about this, this next story. This is the Supper for the 5,000. And this is starting in verse 30. And the apostles then rendezvoused with Jesus and reported on all that they had done and taught. And Jesus said, come off yourselves. Let's take a break and get a little rest. For there was constant coming and going, and they didn't even have time to eat. So they got in the boat 
and went off to a remote place by themselves. Someone saw them coming, and the word got around. From the surrounding towns, people went out on foot, running, and got there ahead of them. When Jesus arrived, he saw this huge crowd. At the sight of them, his heart broke. Like sheep with no shepherd they were. He went right to work teaching them. And when the disciples thought they had gone on long enough, it was now quite late in the day, and they, they interrupted. We are a long way out in the country, and it's very late. Pronounce a benediction and send these folks off so we can get some supper. Jesus said, you do it. Fix supper for them. <laughs> and they replied, are you serious? You want us to go spend a fortune on food for their supper? But he was quite serious. He said, how many loaves of bread do you have? Take an inventory. Didn't take long. They said five loaves and two fish. Jesus got them all to sit down in groups of 50 or 100. They looked like a patchwork of quilt of wildflowers spread out on the green grass. He took the five loaves and the two fish, lifted his face to heaven in prayer, blessed, broke, and gave the bread to the disciples, and the disciples in turn gave it to the people. He did the same with the fish, and they ate their fill. The disciples gathered 12 baskets of leftovers. More than 5,000 were at the supper. And what scholars postulate is really there was probably double or triple that because they usually only counted the men. And so this is this great example that Jesus, God, Christ in us, can completely multiply whatever our willingness of generosity is. However, whatever little we think we have, Jesus multiplies it. So we don't ever have to fret. The disciples were fretting. They thought, we only have, we have five loaves of bread and two fish, not even enough for us 12. And Jesus multiplied it to the point that there were leftovers afterwards. So I want you to remember, everything between you and God has been made right. You're okay. He did this so, so you can make things right with each other. Let Christ's redemption right your relationships. Take that newness. Take, the, uh, take and use the abundance of forgiveness God has given you and forgive others. Acceptance. Bring acceptance into your relationships. God did this vertically. Take the vertical and do it horizontally with all of those around you. Love them as he loves you. How much you've accepted God's acceptance is directly commensurate by how accepting you are of others. And remember, he didn't accept us after we were acceptable. He accepted us so that we may be made acceptable. Do the same for others. Don't wait for them to arrive before you love them generously. And at this time of year, give generously of your love, your time, your appreciation, your acceptance. Value the people that are in your life. Love them deeply. And it doesn't mean you always have to like them. I can have a love for people that I may not necessarily have preference for. Because I can see them through the eyes of God and know that he values them greatly. So I value, I value them greatly. And I'm generous with this. So I'm so glad you joined me today. Have a great rest of the week. We have two more days of this week. Make sure you join me tomorrow. 
check out the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. All, there's blogs that correspond to each of the radio shows as well, so you may want to read those. Pass them on to your friends and have a great rest of your day. God bless you. He loves you deeply. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember... Be your own best version. Yeah.